Good morning, Orchard family. We are so glad that you have joined us online, wherever you are. We want you to know that you are loved today, that you matter today. And I'm so thankful to have you here as we study God's Word together. We're continuing our series in Mark. And so I would invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn over to Mark chapter 7. My name is John Nix. I'm a pastor here at the Orchard Church. And I cannot wait for us to unpack this misunderstood king and his misunderstood gospel. I don't know if you know this or not, but the United States Environmental Protection Agency has released a list of disinfectants which are effective in the fight against the coronavirus. I went just to see what the list looked like, and there are over 400 of these on the list. And the idea is that they uh, have been tested and they have been proven to be effective in the fight against these pathogens and these viruses that are so strong and aggressive like COVID-19. And so in this, this is the, the prerequisite. If you want to clean something, use one of these. In our text today, we're going to see the same kind of thing. There's a question about how things are made clean, not just things, but it's really more about how people are made clean. Our text today is going to show us the longest conflict dialogue in the entire gospel. Jesus is going to have a lengthy discussion with some Pharisees and scribes about what it takes to truly be made clean. Sometimes people get confused about the gospel of Jesus Christ and they think it's about what they have to do. Whether it's a legalistic approach to Jesus thinking, I have to do these things to earn his favor. Or uh, an approach of religion, as long as I fit into whatever this religion prescribes, then I will earn my salvation and everything will be okay. But the truth is, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about your work, it's about his it's not about your ability to make yourself clean, but it's about the way he makes us clean. So let's look at our text today. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says this. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men? He said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. 
But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus, He declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. May God bless the reading of his word today. Receive it as his living word and let us be grateful. I'm so glad that we have this text before us today. In the world in which we live, this idea about how one is made clean has many practical ways of being applied. Uh, This text tells us that we're continuing on from Jesus finishing a ministry in Gennesaret where people had recognized that he was coming. He has healed the sick. People were coming, bringing the sick on mats and placing them before Jesus. They would touch even the hem of his garments and they were made well, whole and clean. But we pick up and we have this visit from Pharisees and scribes. Uh, They've come from Jerusalem and they have gathered around Jesus. Now make no mistake, they did not come to gather around Jesus in a positive way. They have come to discredit him. They are already at odds with him. And as we will see, Jesus goes straight at the issue they're facing. They have traveled some 90 miles just to be around Jesus. And as they're around him, they observe a few things. One of the things that they observe is that the disciples are eating with unwashed hands. Now, I know for a lot of us, we read this and we think, well, of course, it's a great idea to wash your hands before you eat. But I want you to know this is not simply some sort of practice of hygiene. This is a a ceremonial thing. This is a, a, a symbolic thing. When it comes to the way people would approach God, God had prescribed the ways in which he was to be approached. It it reminds us that God is holy and you have to come to him on his terms and not your own. And there were these pictures that had been given. This idea of being defiled or unclean was a serious matter. To the one who was unclean or defiled, they were not able to go to temple. They were not able to participate in worship inside the community. It was a terrible thing, but it was a reminder that in order to approach God, we need to have our sin dealt with. We need to be made clean. 
And it started out as a brilliant thing, a wonderful thing, a picture that we needed to have that that makes us unclean removed from us. But as we know, it's not because someone washed their hands that their hearts would be purified. And so as Jesus goes into this discussion, it's important for us to think about the reality that they were holding Jesus responsible for the behavior of his own disciples. And I don't think much has changed today. It's interesting in conversation when you say, I am a Christ follower, or I'm a, I'm a Christian. What sort of ways that people look or respond you know, for many, uh, those who would claim the name of Christ, then everyone is kind of lumped in together. And this is what it must mean to be a Christian. And we are still supposed to be those who represent Christ in the world. And so these Pharisees and scribes, when they see that the disciples are not holding to the traditions of the elders, they take offense and they ask, why in the world would your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders. Now, when it comes to the tradition of the elders, it's important to understand a little bit of historical context. When it comes to the traditions of the elders, there had been oral traditions that had been passed down. They would take and they would explain every facet of God's law. It wasn't just that it was enough to have the scripture. They would take and then they would comment on that particular law. And then they would create a regulation around that law. And then what had happened is over time, this idea of the law had evolved into some 600 plus commandments. And they believed that they were just as binding as sacred scripture. And so when they ask Jesus about these traditions, there's this idea what would be referred to as fencing the Torah and guarding these things that they had established these traditions and they were equated with the same authority as the word of God. And this is where Jesus picks it up with them. And he does not respond in a kind way, in a way that is trying to win friends and influence people. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even answer the question that they ask. Why are they not doing this? Why are they eating with defiled hands? Because Jesus wants them to understand that there is something greater at stake here. And so we have this little phrase after Jesus calls them hypocrites. Now, we know hypocrites. I mean, let's be honest. When it comes to people who claim the name of Christ, a lot of people say, well, they are hypocrites. But we need a little bit of a category distinction. We need to make sure that we have just a, a little bit more understanding than just throwing out the word. You see, when it comes to being a hypocrite, it is from this idea of uh, the stage and actors, and they would put these masks on. I remember seeing, you know, kind of these masks. Now, this will somewhat tell you about uh, my age and some of those things. But when I watched the Three Stooges, you could see those two masks that hypocrites would use. And it was a pretending to be someone else. And it was a knowing deception. It was an intentional acting. So we have to be careful when it comes to us and struggling. Every Christian still struggles with sin. 
There are still those places in my flesh. There are still those residual habits and, effect, and effects that I struggle with. Even though Christ has made me a new creation, I still struggle with sin. But it's not the same as necessarily being hypocritical. I, I, I do sometimes pretend to be more holy than I am, and that is certainly hypocritical. I, I do perhaps give people the impression sometimes that I am farther along in my sanctification than I actually am, and that is certainly hypocritical. But not every single sin is what makes me a hypocrite. It is thinking that there is something that I want others to think about me, something that I'm trying to portray to them that I'm actually not. And so Jesus says to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. But he says a little phrase that if we miss, we'll miss some things in the New Testament. He says, as it is written. You see, there's something about that little phrase that Jesus wants us to understand. These traditions that had been passed down, this commentary on the law, this expansion beyond what Scripture actually says, Jesus does not equate as authoritative in the same way that your Bible is. He, he confronts them and says, this is what was written. And, and he goes on, and, and the words are, are, are stinging. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And they teach as doctrines the traditions of men, and yet they're denying the commandment. See, when it comes to the written word of God, there is something that is unique. Now, we have the blessing of gifted teachers and writers and those who help us to understand God's Word, but we must not give the same authority to commentary that we do to sacred Scripture. And Jesus, in just that little phrase, it is written, wants them to understand it's possible to say the right things and our hearts be far away. It's possible to be in religious settings and still not know Jesus. It's possible to know the right answers to the questions about Jesus and still not be right or clean before him. Beloved, today is one of those places where we need to be careful. This is that place that if we are not careful, we still struggle with the same thing that the Pharisees and the scribes and the synagogue rulers struggled with trying to obtain a righteousness through a strict adherence to some sort of code or rules or religious practice and regulation. You see, when it comes to knowing Jesus, it is not about external behaviors. When it comes to knowing Jesus, it's an internal problem. It's an internal solution. It is something that is not always connected into external behaviors. Now, of course, we want to be in the Word. Of course, we want to know the right answers. Of course, we want to gather with God's people and worship. Of course, we want to do those things. But at the moment we start to trust our actions for salvation, that is where we have stepped into legalism and tried to obtain a righteousness of our own. Jesus regularly took shots at the Pharisees. 
They had seen the, the signs that should authenticate this messenger of God. We know God himself, and instead they would reject him and accuse him. They had come to discredit him all the way from Jerusalem, some 90 miles. And so he gives them a specific example. And he says to them, listen, you know what the scripture says. And when Jesus says this, I mean, it's an incredible thing. The amount of scriptural knowledge that Pharisees and scribes had was just amazing. Uh, they were well acquainted with the, the, the writings and the scripture. And so when it comes to this, Jesus begins to quote and he says, this is what Moses said. And he, re, and he refers to honoring father and mother. And he goes on to, to issue the negative. And anyone who would revile father or mother is out of step with the law and deserves to be punished. But then he gives the example to show just how far the traditions of the elders had wandered from the truth. He says, this is what the law says, but now you have even given this opportunity for people to take and declare their possessions to be Corbin. Now, we read this and we're thinking, okay, what in the world is Corbin? And what is that? Why is Jesus pointing to that? Jesus is getting to the point that when it comes to the way that we treat our parents, we are to honor them. And the sad thing about this abuse of God's law and this, this drifting away from the law and now holding to traditions was people could declare their possessions as Corbin and many times it was done just so that their parents would not benefit from it, regardless of their age, their well-being, or their place in life. What could be far, farther from honoring father and mother than saying, hey, I'm sorry that you're in your old age. I'm sorry that you're suffering, but I want to enjoy my own possessions. I don't want to share them, and so I'm going to dedicate this to God. But in dedicating it, you must know that it wasn't going straight into the temple treasury immediately. They were enjoying all the benefits that came with it until they died. And in so doing, sometimes it would leave their parents in a precarious and dreadful situation. So Jesus takes a shot at that, but there, there are other things. There was this issue of a Sabbath day journey. Now, for the rabbis, they would find these places as they would give this commentary and regulations and they would hold it, you know, as binding as God's word. They got to this place where around the idea of a Sabbath day's journey, here was the loophole they created. If you took a, a piece of personal property, say a shoe, and you went and you placed it somewhere, then that was automatically considered your house. And so what people would do is they would go and place these personal items along the journey, but there would not be a distance greater than a Sabbath journey between them. And thus they thought they had kept the law. You see, it is the twisting of God's word. It is the looking for the loophole. It is the trying to make ourselves okay before God in some sort of man-made tradition versus what really makes us clean. Dear ones, when it comes to God's word, there is no substitute. We, we need God's word every single day. 
we're, we're listening and watching online right now because we need to hear God's word read publicly. We need to hear God's word preached faithfully. We need God's word in our everyday lives. I, I implore you, please, take up your Bibles and read. You need it every single day. Don't worry about what you don't understand. You're going to understand far more than you think. And we need it. Jesus said we can't live by bread alone. We need every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. Moses says it is no empty word for you. It is your very life. Jesus would pray you got to sanctify them by your truth. And your word is truth in John 17. When it comes to our Bibles, we desperately need God's word. And the Pharisees would take God's word, but then they would add to God's word, and then they would make it fit what they wanted it to do, and they would misuse it for their own means and end. It gave them a superiority complex, a, a way to control others and have power over them. The Pharisees would go through and people would see them and they would revere them. They were supposed to be the apex of what Jewish society was supposed to be like. So Jesus switches gears and he calls the people to himself. There's this picture in the Gospel of Mark that when you see Jesus going into the house, it's for instruction and revelation. And you see him going away from the synagogue, which is a place of resistance and objection. And he moves from the people into the house and he, and he wants to explain these things. So he has the people come and he says, I want you to understand. And he offers a parable. And in the parable, it's something that we can easily understand he says, listen, when it comes to what makes someone unclean, where our text began, them complaining about the disciples eating with unclean, defiled hands, he said, I want you to understand what makes someone unclean is not something from the outside. It's a problem that's on the inside. You see, when it, when it comes to his explanation, and we all know this to be true, Righteousness is not going to come from dietary laws. And Galatians tells us that the law was given to be our teacher to show us that we need a Savior. The law is given to us as a teacher reminding us that we struggle and we don't get it right all the time. The law was helpful in pointing to God's holiness and reminding us of our sinfulness, but the law could never save us. The pictures that would come through washing, the pictures that would come through animal sacrifice, none of those things ever saved anyone. None of those things ever made hearts clean. And Jesus in this parable says, listen, it's not the stuff that comes from the outside in that makes someone unclean before God. It's what's on the inside. It's the heart. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. No man can know it. When it comes to Jesus, his gospel is often misunderstood because often we want to reduce his gospel to religion and legalism and our ability to earn his favor through our works. Singing hymns, being in a gathering, having joined baptism, the Lord's Supper, all of these things, beautiful and wonderful things, pictures that point us to the truth, but none of those things can save. You see, when it comes to legalism, legalism is this. It's if I'm trusting anything else to make me right or righteous before God other than Jesus. 
And so Jesus explains to them. And the thing that is so uh, disappointing, and it happens over and over and over, it happened last week, is that the disciples still don't understand. He finishes the parable. They're in the house. And he said, are you still without understanding? But then Jesus drops a bombshell in the house that can still be felt today. In this parable, in this teaching, in this explanation, Mark says that Jesus has declared all food clean. You see, Jesus is God himself incarnate. Jesus is the living word of God who also now pronounces the word of God. Think about it. Jesus never failed God's law. He never broke it one time. But boy, he would often defy these traditions of the elders. The elders would say, uh, you know, it's, uh, this tradition would be, you don't do this on a Sabbath. But Jesus would say, this man is lame. What is the greater need that this man would be set free from, from his paralysis and being lame or to hold to the tradition of the elders and because it's the Sabbath, leave him another day in suffering? The, the traditions of the elders would say, you better not go in that graveyard or we'll have to remove you from the community and you're going to have to go through all of this cleansing. And Jesus would say, there is a man who is suffering in the garrisons and I will go into the graveyard and I will see him set free because you are missing the point that God has come in love and that the higher value is not the traditions of men, it is those on whom God has set his affection, creatures. He would become like us. He would enter into our humanity. When it comes to this, you think about it, it comes to this leper, they would say, you don't touch lepers. They will render you unclean, and there's going to be a process. It's going to take you two weeks, and you're going to have to show yourself to the priest, and all of these things are going to happen. And Jesus says, I'm not listening to the traditions of the elders I am going to restore to health this leper. Jesus satisfied every righteous demand of God's law, but he had no problem confronting religion and legalism and telling the Pharisees, your commentary on God's word, your man-made laws are not what will save you. In order to be clean, there's going to have to be a way to be made clean outside your good deeds. And so Jesus declares all foods clean. Many of you know the conversation. It goes like this. Someone in a chat room or on social media will take a shot at Christians everywhere. Well, if you really believe the Bible and you think the Old Testament is authoritative, then how come you guys eat shellfish and pig and you wear cotton polyester blends and all these sorts of things? I want you to know when it comes to the law, Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fill it up. He came to fulfill the law. And that's why John in chapter 1 says grace upon grace has come through Jesus Christ. He has fulfilled the law. He is explaining the pictures. He is all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. All of the type and shadow, but he is the substance. The picture that you didn't eat these things, that you didn't wear these things, that you didn't go to these places, that you didn't go and do these certain things were not because that's what saved you. It was a picture to to show you how holy God is and how desperately we need to be made clean. Some of you have tried for a long time to make yourself clean. 
Some of you have spent years and years in the church, but there is no love, there is no peace, there is no rest internally. You find yourself fighting over and over against your past and things that you know I'm never going to get past this. And you get to that place of desperation, and I want you to know we understand that place of desperation is the recognition that I cannot save myself. No matter how hard I try, no matter how long I improve, it's just not enough. Jesus goes through this list. He lists out all these things. I see my name and my face in those things. I recognize that those things are a plague and a malady. I recognize that when it comes to my own life, I need to be made clean on the inside. I need to be made new on the inside. I need to have all of sin's devastating impurities cleansed. But it's not going to be because I kept rules. It's not going to be because I always was able to do the right thing. It's not going to be because I did something better than somebody else. I need a Savior. And the law reminds me that I cannot save myself. And one of the dangers is we begin to, like the Pharisees, create a, a false righteousness. We believe somehow that we are acceptable to God through either things that we believe or things that we do. We'll create things like a, a family righteousness where we look down in condescension on others and think, well, I am good before God because of the way that my family operates. We'll do things like a political righteousness. Well, I am good before God because I align myself with the right political affiliations. Or maybe we assign a righteousness in that I am right before God because unlike others who don't wear their mask, I wear mine. Beloved, I, I want you to know and understand that when it comes to being made clean before God, it will not be because of the things that we do. Oh, sure, there should be the evidence of grace. We should have good works that surround us, but it's not those good works that save us. It's those good works that evidence we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, and we are doing those things and walking in those things because he has changed us. An increasing love for God, an increasing love for his word, an increasing love for his people, increasing victory over temptation and sin. This is the evidence of grace in our lives. Not that we don't fail, not that we don't struggle, but that in spite of ourselves, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ applied by the Holy Spirit in our lives, in a blessed union, he is changing us from one degree of glory to another so that his immeasurable riches will be on display in eternity that he could take wretched, miserable, unclean sinners and by his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection for every penitent soul that will turn from their sin and put all of their hope in Jesus, he makes them clean. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sakes, not for his own, but for our sakes, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that I might be made clean. I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way that sinners are rescued. 
And some of you are looking at that list and you're thinking there's no way that God can love me. You don't understand how long I've been in the darkness of sexual immorality. You don't know how long I've struggled with wickedness. You don't know how long I've struggled with covetousness. I want you to know this. I don't, but I know this. God knows the heart. And there is nothing on that list that is greater than what Christ has accomplished. We have sung this for so long as a church. What can wash away my sin? Not church membership, not baptism, not good deeds, nothing but the blood of Jesus. But it makes me whole again. And oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Just as the EPA has all of these things that will deal with the coronavirus and disinfect, I want you to know Christ, his sacrifice, and the blood of Christ cleanses us of sin. And it is no temporary solution that will have to be repeated. It is a once-for-all transformation so that he who began that good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Today, let us not think that we have saved ourselves because we did the right things. Uh, let us not look down and judge others because they didn't do what we did. Let us not rise up in some sort of pride or self-righteousness, but in humility, recognizing that when we should be lost without hope, that Jesus Christ, the righteous, intervened and changed everything. He let himself be subject to Pharisees who would come to discredit. He would face everything that we face, but he would never sin. He would never fail. He would fulfill every righteous demand of the law and satisfy the wrath and justice of a holy God that we might be reconciled to him, that we might have hope, and that we might be saved. Today, I want you to know Jesus can and will make you clean. And it won't be because you were religious. It won't be because you did the right things. It'll be because you recognize, I can't fix myself. But I believe that Jesus can. And so I will not make extra laws. I will not make myself the authority on things. I will submit to God's word. And God's word says this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God's word says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, not external religion, internal transformation. It's not what you do on the outside that makes you clean. It's what Christ does on the inside that makes you clean. If you have questions about those things, we would love to help you. And as we wrap up today, there's some things I want you to consider. First, I, I want you to see this, that when it comes to this, you cannot be made right with God apart from Christ. We need Jesus. The second thing I want you to see is this. God's word should have authority in our lives. And we cannot rely on the commentary and opinions of men. We must trust in God's word. 
The third thing is this. I want you to know that Jesus can make people who are guilty of every sin on the list white as snow. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So here's what I want you to discuss together. First, with those with you, wherever you are, whether you're in your living room, your kitchen, wherever you are, I want you to to ask and answer this question. How does Jesus make us clean? How does that work? What is it that it looks like? And if good works don't save us, then why are we doing these things? I'll give you a hint. Ephesians 2.10 will give you a pretty good answer. Second thing, do you spend time in God's Word regularly? If so, I want you to share with everyone that's around you what a difference it makes in your life. You might even share something that He's shown you even this very day or in days previous. If not, would you take that next step toward faith? Would you take that next step in your journey? Would you put together a plan for reading God's Word? And would you share it with those around you? We need each other. We need each other to encourage us. We need each other to help us. So take that time. Talk about God's Word. Talk about the difference it makes. And, and if you don't have that as a regular practice, start today. Figure out a plan. I promise you will not regret it. Third question is this. Are you afraid that God is not going to love you because of how many things on that list that apply to you? If that is the case for you, can I tell you this? That's not true. God demonstrated his love for us in this. It was while we were still violating everything on the list that he demonstrated his love and that Christ died for sinners. Beloved, Jesus has demonstrated that he loves you and that you matter by giving his life. On this day, do not fear the list. Run to the misunderstood king who welcomes and rescues sinners and makes them clean. Do not stay with a misunderstood gospel. You will not save yourself. Only Jesus saves. Won't you turn to him today? Let's pray together. God, thank you. What a kind, generous king you are. Oh God, what a marvelous salvation you have brought about. What an astounding thing to know that you can make us clean for every failure, every place where we fell short of your glorious standard. Christ Jesus has made a way for us to be clean before you. How is it that I could have a righteousness outside of myself and that Christ's righteousness would be given to me in a glorious exchange? Or when my Father looks at me, I will always be clean by the righteousness of Christ. I pray today for those listening. Help us. Help us that we might understand. It's not the things on the outside that are truly reflective of the things that are on the inside. It is the transformation on the inside that cannot stay on the inside. So I pray today 
that people all around will see that Jesus on the inside makes a difference on the outside to the glory of God our Father. I pray today that we will love others more than ourselves, that we will walk in wisdom, and that we will give ourselves away for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. I'm so glad that you joined us today. Know that you're loved. If we can serve you at the Orchard Church, please visit us online, theorchardchurch.com. If we can pray for you, there are prayer opportunities every single day. We welcome that. If there's a question that you have, email us, info at theorchardchurch.com. We want you to know that you matter. We want to connect you to those who can help you, and we want you to know Jesus. So if we can serve you, please reach out. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again very soon.